And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful. I have a bad feeling about this. What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? It's the good, the bad, and the what? Lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect what makes a movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm Ryan Oliver. And I'm Chris Thomas. Chris, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty well, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well as well. Um, I'm mostly looking forward to this uh, discussion. Um, you teased it at the end of last week um, that you, you're basically getting to go again. Um, yeah, yeah. These are your picks. But uh, we figured it made sense because you had a category of killer bear movies. And we're like, well, it just so happens that there is a killer bear movie out in the theater right now. So mm-hmm. why don't we uh, take this chance to talk about killer bears? But um I will let our listeners know up front. First, I'm going to ask you what led you to this topic, but I guess I'll let people know that before we get into the uh, the three picks, we are going to briefly discuss our thoughts on Cocaine Bear, which is currently out in theaters. It was number one at the box office last weekend. Um, so we'll give some brief thoughts on that movie, and then we'll get into these picks. But I will kick it over to you and ask, um, outside of the release of Cocaine Bear, what prompted you to to create this category? Oh sure. Well, this this went on to our list forever ago. Uh, it should be no surprise to anybody that I love Jaws. I've talked about this a lot on the show before, and when trying to come up with categories that I could then sort of dogleg into me talking about my love for Jaws, I found other movies that were Jaws ripoffs. We've done Jaws ripoff episodes before. We even have an episode that's just called Jaws ripoffs um, that we talked about Blades on. I think was our our what for that one. And I wanted to find other, you know, there was, after Jaws, a bunch of studios went like, holy shit, that made a whole lot of money. So what about other man versus nature movies that feature some other animal that's not a shark? And so then, of course, I was able to find a ton of them that are about, you know, bees is another category that's on there. Not the bees! Uh, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So we do have a killer bees category that might be coming down the pipeline at some point in the future. But Bears ended up pretty quickly. I was just like, okay, what movies came out in the years immediately preceding Jaws? And then, like, bam, bam. Like, the, the, the next year, the new year, year right after that, were two in a row. Um, so, really, in, in this episode, is about struggling to, to find the good, which, when Cocaine Bear was coming out, it was just like, okay, cool, let's make it a category. It's actually um, topical now to talk about killer bear movies, um, which I think we can just kind of jump into talking about Cocaine Bear if you're ready for that. Millions of dollars worth of cocaine fell from the sky this morning in Knoxville, Tennessee. There's more this out there. They dumped it somewhere. I'm looking for my daughter. Forest is a dangerous place. Hey, Henry, check it out. Something got into it. A deer, maybe. A lot of cocaine was lost. I need you to go and get it. No, 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 don't eat that, don't eat that. Let's see what kind of effect that has on 
the bear. It fucking did cocaine. Yeah, let's do it. Um, which is, like I said, is out in theaters currently. It is uh, loosely based on a true story. Because uh, the true story is a little wild but really ultimately not that interesting because mm-hmm. the you know it is true that uh there were drug runners who did smuggle cocaine from colombia into the country and a 500 pound black bear did ingest the cocaine but then quickly proceeded to die of a heart attack that's how it yes. happened in real life um but this movie supposes that uh what if he went on a murderous rampage mm-hmm. um through through the the um through the woods in the american south um so yeah, this movie it's directed by Elizabeth Banks, which is her like third and a fourteenth uh, directorial feature. I say a fourteenth because she did do one of the segments of the the infamous uh, movie Forty Three. Um, Coming like, soon to a good bad what near you? Oh, no, is it really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh no. Maybe not soon, uh, but it is on our list. Oh yikes! Uh, I. <laughs> I'm not I've proud tried, of it either. It's just, I just I've tried to block that it. movie from my memory. Um, but uh, oh boy, uh, there's one good sketch. Um, I don't remember who directed it though. It, it wasn't Banks, and it wasn't James Gunn either, who is mm-hmm. one of the directors of it uh, as well. Uh, but she also directed the second Pitch Perfect movies, uh, which of course she stars in as one of the commentators with John Michael Higgins. Mm-hmm. She directed the 2019 reboot of Charlie's Angels that like nobody remembers. Um, I had a newborn when it came out, so I sort of just didn't like didn't go see it in the theater, and then I forgot it existed until Cocaine Bear came out, and I was like, oh yeah, that's right, she did that movie. So I watched it in prep, um, and now she did Cocaine Bear. Um, but I I guess I'll ask you again because it is your pick, so I'll I'll give you the floor. Um, what did you think of Cocaine Bear? Uh, not a fan. Uh, I know that that might put me in the minority. I did see that this movie is doing fairly well on Letterboxd. I think it was sitting at a 3.6 when I checked earlier. Uh, out of 5, of course, if you're not a Letterboxd user. Uh, I just, no. Like, I, I didn't find it very funny. Um, of course, the main selling point of the movie is that it's a bear on cocaine rampaging. And those were clearly the best parts of the movie was when the cocaine bear was doing cocaine bear stuff. Unfortunately, even though the movie is 91 minutes, that is not a majority of the movie. That is not even, I'd say a significant portion of the movie is the cocaine bear. Um, We get sort of side stories of like an ABC and arguably even a D character storyline that's going in tandem and none of them are particularly satisfying and none of the characters are interesting um which is unfortunate to say because there are some actors in there that i'm like oh cool it's really cool to like uh of, of course it's good to see ray liotta in ray liotta's you know final uh, full performance in a movie uh, but that just didn't do enough for me to be like hey it's that guy that i like but he's doing a bunch of shit that I don't like. <laughs> yes, and he's also not in the movie very long. No, because uh, he he's he's the he's the drug runner who's like mm-hmm. having people go fetch his cocaine. So he really only is introduced, and then he shows up in the last like latter uh, act of the movie. Um, but I'm glad you mentioned that because that is a disappointment because the cast overall was really strong. Like in yeah. addition to Ray Liotta, you have uh, Carrie Russell from The Americans uh margo martindale uh brooklyn prince from the florida project you have alden ehrenreich which is good to see him because like i didn't like solo a star wars story but i loved 
the Coen Brothers Hail Caesar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I specifically love him in the Coen Brothers Hail Caesar. I think he walks away the best performer of that movie. Uh, so it was like nice to see him. Uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. is in it as well. Um, I, I feel like there's like somebody else that Jesse I'm, Tyler I'm Ferguson. Uh, yeah, uh, from... Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Oh, yeah. from The Wire. Um, um, so Scott it's... Sice, who you probably don't know unless you recognize his TikTok videos of him um, setting up scenarios where he can talk about how terrible it is to work in retail, specifically Ikea. Um, he <laughs> plays the paramedic in this movie. So it's just like, hey, it's that dude with the mustache who yells at his cell phone. But there's it's, it's a really stacked cast from top to bottom. And... Um, and like you said, there's so many different like storylines in the movie. Like it almost tries to be like a, you know, I already mentioned like Hail Caesar, which Alden Ehrenreich was in. It almost mm. tries to be like a like a low rent Coen Brothers movie. I feel at times where it's like people like dipshits who were way in over their head, and then something like really bad happens to them. Like it feels like a like a Fargo in that way. Like, yeah, yeah. Like Fargo light almost. Uh, but on top of that, there's a rampaging black bear out there on cocaine, killing people. And so it's like when the when the when the bear comes, it interrupts this like subpar attempt at a Coen Brothers movie. Then it's really really fun. But right. like, and there's a couple good funny bits as well um like mainly more towards the beginning um i don't want to spoil anything because it is a new movie but like there's one bit with when the kids go out first on the the mountain uh when the kids first go out in the mountain brooklyn prince and the other like boy um like their interaction and what they come across was pretty funny mm-hmm. to, to me. Um, but uh, other than that, like I, I, you know, I didn't personally find it that funny, but the crowd I was with, I went and saw it like the first, like the Thursday night showing Thursday night previews. And like, I've gone to those Thursday night previews where there's like four people in the theater. Um, but like, it's actually been heartening this year. Cause like there was like probably like 50 people, 50 or 60 people in the crowd. Same thing happened when I went and saw Megan, uh, mm. last month and like the, and, and for both movies, the crowd just like ate it up. And so Megan was a movie I liked, actually liked <laughs> compared to cocaine bear, but the crowd enjoying it amplified my experience. So like, I didn't hate my time with it, but I, I did not enjoy it as a movie on its own merit um, very yeah. much. So, And <clears throat> do we want to get into spoilers? It's up to you. We can, um, you know, if, if we, so what, if you, you look like you have something to say, so I'll give you. The I mean, I don't, I definitely it. don't have to, I know that we have three other movies to talk about, so we don't need to dwell on cocaine bear for too long. Okay. Then let's, let's not for this one, yeah. but uh, needless to say, I, I don't think, either of us and and also like there's a really there's like one really fantastic sequence in it and i won't say anything Mm -hmm. about what happens within the sequence but it's in the trailer so i feel that's fair game like in the trailer you see an ambulance get like attacked from where that scene starts and where that scene ends it's like a no pun intended a a high Mm -hmm. um but like it's but like that the movie like really dies after that point and there's still like 40 minutes of movie left in it well, and it's it's funny that you talk about the it being a high, no pun intended, because I put this in my letterbox review that the cocaine bear is to the movie cocaine, where the movie is is like we start off in the first sort of scene opening up um, of the guy, uh, you know, dumping his drugs. And then we get sort of like an exciting cocaine bear scene uh, to sort of get us into like, OK, this is the type of movie that you're going to see. Okay, cool. And then we introduce characters 
and they're not particularly interesting and they're going about their day and they're having the conversations and they're trying jokes and like very very few of them are landing and they're not landing well and then the bear shows up and then shit i'm excited and i'm hyped and I'm ready to go and this is really awesome this is what i signed up for and then the bear leaves and then here's some more characters and they also suck. And then so I, I compared in my review of just like the, the bear is cocaine where you get hyped up and you're jacked and you're energized and then it leaves and you're like, man, I could really use some more bear right now. Um, do you know a guy that can get me some more bear? I, I got money. I like I, whatever I got to do to get more bear, man. Like just get me out of this uncomfortable situation in this room with people I don't like and get me some more bear so I can start having fun again. I, I got a fever. And the only prescription the only cure. is more bear. Uh, more cocaine bear. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, yeah, you're right. It, it, that's a the partially, not partially. That's probably one of the best analogies I've heard is that the, the bear itself is cocaine to the movie. Because it, it, it really is energized once the bear shows up. And then when the bear goes away, you're just like, where's the bear? Yeah. And why is You bought him out here? hard. <laughs> yeah. Hugely. Um, last thing I do want to say, I, I wouldn't consider it a spoiler necessarily, so I won't put the tag on, but I guess just like maybe fast forward 30 seconds to a minute on, on this is that my brain hurt with like starting at the Universal logo of this movie because the movie opens with the song oh, yeah. Jane by by Je- uh, Jefferson Starship, which fucking um, rocks. I love that which song. rocks. It's a great song, but. It most famously opens not just the movie, but the two Netflix series of Wet Hot American Summer. I feel mm-hmm. like most people would probably associate that song with that movie and those series. And I'm sure Elizabeth uh, Banks does. Because she stars in those that movie and those right. series. So I, I thought that was a... So it was weird because I'm like, okay, you're like, to me, I'm like... I wouldn't say it's meta, but it was it was signaling to me that this movie was not going to take itself seriously right. by opening with a song that was clearly in a movie that the director starred in. That's a that's a comedy, like it's a full blown comedy. Right, not American Summer is, and uh, so I was like, yeah, and that's fair. Like a movie called Cocaine Bear should not take itself seriously at all, right? No. At all. But the fact that the movie actually tries to have like touching like human moments in something that's like totally a lark. It just felt like disingenuous to me, mm-hmm. like whatever. So I'm just again, cocaine. Where's the bear, and why isn't the bear <laughs> doing bear shit in yeah. this? Um, so that I found that to be like frustrating. Um, but yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I also noted it's it's like a smidge. It, it's a smidge more than the snakes on a plane of its generation, mm-hmm. but it's not very far off from that. It's it's better than snakes on a plane. But far below, in my opinion, to Deep Blue Sea. I would agree with that sentiment. Yeah, absolutely. Deep Blue and, Sea is way more fun. Oh, Deep Blue Sea fucking rocks. And again, also coming on a future episode of Good, Bad, What? Because I will gush about Deep Blue Sea and how amazing that movie is. And maybe later on we'll have to do an episode or maybe we'll do like a one-off like short episode or something really getting into the nitty-gritty of cocaine bear because i could talk about cocaine bear and the problems i had with it uh for a lot longer but for right now because it's a newer movie let's not do that and instead let's pivot into uh good bad what classic uh the the original flavor of good bad what in which we've picked our good our bad and our what and let's compare them so without further ado here are the picks. I picked The Edge from 1997, directed by Lee Tamahori, as our good. Our bad is going to be Grizzly from 1976, directed by William Girdler. 
And for the what, I've chosen Claws from 1977, directed by Richard Bansback and Robert E. Pearson. Um, I, I guess that we can just get directly into it. I mean, there's not a whole lot of backstory. As I said, you know, Jaws really kind of kicked off the man versus giant monster creature animal uh, genre of film. Um, and it itself is, is, you know, spawned off of like actual historical accounts of animals getting a taste for man flesh and then going hey that actually tastes not that bad and then going on and killing a whole bunch of people um it has happened throughout history it is very rare the unfortunate reality of these types of uh, movies and media is that it makes people afraid of animals and it makes people go out and hunt and overhunt and and kill animals who actually aren't dangerous to humans because mostly animals are afraid of humans so I just kind of want to get that disclaimer out there for anybody who actually does have fear of these animals. You should respect the animals. Uh, you should be careful around the animals for sure, but never, you know, uh, never support like a blanket. Let's kill all bears because bears are man eaters, sort of thing. Same thing with sharks or, or any animal of their ilk. Uh, they're just trying to get along uh, and do their best like anybody else. Yep. No, I'm in agreement there. <laughs> I just wanted to get that out there because I know like it, it's it is like an unfortunate reality that like Jaws came out and people went like, "Oh fuck, let's kill a bunch of sharks." And it's like, ah, let's not, guys. They're well, just there, chilling. There's an e- there's ecological balance, right? I mean, a, a circle of life, uh, if you will. And uh, you know, it's like hunting certain animals, you know, because it's like there are systems and it is legal to hunt like certain animals. Oh sure. Tag and that's like. They mate, and then you also help control any animal population. Mm-hmm. So, like deer, elk, makes sense. But then, but yeah, it's when you get into, you know, stuff that you're not supposed to be, or like trophy hunting, which kind of kicks off our what movie. But we'll get there when we get there, um, sort of thing. Then that's when it gets like really sticky. So I'm 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 fully aligned with your. Uh, with your disc- uh, ex- disclaimer good i was i was worried that you were to come back with like nah man fucking kill all animals all day all the time guns <laughs> well, up I mean, let's I'm, do this as, as a former <laughs> as a former hunter like i'm i'm saying that like like i said the legal means in which you're allowed to like I'm oh yeah gonna, sure like first first off i don't hunt anymore but secondly i'm not a fucking asshole i'm not gonna go shoot a lion i'm not yeah. like one of donald trump's kids uh, <laughs> you know or don't, some shit like that like it's like yeah i've i've shot a couple deer in my right. life and, and then you <laughs> ate them i'm assuming and I ate like them. you yes, used I, their bodies for sustenance i had their venison turned into ground beef and and made tacos and hamburger out of yeah it. So, you yes, didn't have a, yes. a, a no chin overly toothy grin picture taken uh standing next to it like some fucking asshole i did not know um but an, enough about those shitheads uh we can go ahead and get into the good which i think surprisingly i i don't know about you i'm probably gonna have the least to say about this movie i'm mostly interested in our bad and our what this episode but uh, not to bury the lead but uh the edge okay check it please a photographer with an eye for beauty. Okay, great. Let's do one more. <laughs> nice looking lady. Your wife? Yes. Why'd you ask? A man of wealth who lives through books. Charles knows everything. Got a question to ask him. I seem to retain all these facts, but putting them to any useful purpose is another matter. Each the essence of the civilized man. Well, Charles, we're going on an impromptu adventure. You come too. Oh, all that money. Never knowing what people value you for. And I think your wife's pretty cute, too. So, 
Are you planning to kill me? But when civilization disappears... Why do we even think they'll come looking for us? Our friend's a billionaire. You know what happens when you misplace one? All they have is each other to rely on. So I'll just start with a, uh, a quick synopsis of the movie. Uh, on a wilderness getaway in the far north of Alaska, a billionaire and his wife's colleagues crash their plane far from civilization. Now they must battle the elements in a bloodthirsty Kodiak bear to get back home. That's pretty much the whole thing. Like, it really is kind of a character piece. Uh, uh, Plot-wise, it's mostly about this, their survival and can they get out of there. There's a little bit more to it about it being his wife's colleagues, but we can get into that when we start getting more into the plot. Um, I will throw it over to you first, Ryan. The Edge. What would you think of it? Yes. Um, well, this is definitely not a biopic about U2's guitarist. Um, <laughs> I felt that was entirely misleading. Thank God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have you seen this Mike get loud uh yeah i have seen it Mike get loud i actually like that documentary i but, like that I, documentary but I, I, the edge was the least interesting thing to me in that whole documentary well i i yeah, we should maybe put it this Mike get loud in the episode <laughs> i i like like pre like 2002 u2 oh, sure. um like anything after that no you didn't, you didn't like <laughs> vertigo Oh, was that pre two thousand two? I don't. I don't no, know. that was Savas Post. Hello, hello. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, it's awful. But when did they upload their album to everybody? Like every Apple user's phone, like a bunch <laughs> of assholes. That was like two thousand eleven. And then you weren't allowed to delete it from your iTunes. It's just like look, look at your phone. You're like the fucking. I, I was, new I was digitally album. assaulted by you two. I'm I'm still <laughs> carrying that drama. <laughs> anyway, but the edge, the movie from nineteen ninety seven. Not starring uh, The Edge, but starring <laughs> Anthony Hopkins and, and Alec Baldwin, among others, um, is I, I liked this movie quite a bit. And it, and it sort of shocked me um, just from the stand. Well, I guess I should rewind. It didn't shock me entirely because we should also note maybe the most important thing to lean into, like the character piece and and the sort of like, uh, you know, men sort of succumbing to their urges and how it sort of like comes to bite them in the ass or they survive is that the script of this movie is written by david mamet so Mm -hmm. i feel like that's probably not like horribly surprising um so like because when like i i if the movie didn't introduce who like the like the main top build credits at the start i would have been surprised by like how more like somber and and downplayed and more sort of character driven and dialogue driven it was. Um, but then the fact that it was like you said, written by David Mamet, I was like, oh, okay. So this is not going to be like the bear attack movie that like might've been sold on the box to right. it. Um, and but just I, to I, point out as well, uh, David Mamet, if you're not familiar with him, we did talk about one of his previously written movies, the untouchables yep. uh, on a previous episode. So uh, Glenn Gary and Glenn Ross, uh, he's got Great some, movie. he's got some, um, some big movies under his belt and some great scripts under his belt. And so if oh, you're yeah. familiar with his name, uh, if you're not familiar, I'd say that you should probably get familiar. Absolutely. Hugely renowned playwright. Definitely get familiar with his work. Uh, just just don't Google him for things that he's said <laughs> recently. Um, uh, God, that's it, becoming more, I, I, more I know. <laughs> relevant. I hate it. His is less, well, I was going to say, this is sort of a twofer because it's like his is more like sort of his like, like trump supporting like Mm -hmm. stuff and like 
accidentally falling into some like uh, uh, overthrow the election conspiracy. So don't uh, look that up. Uh, so that's more un like unfortunate. Like he didn't go full Dilbert, is what you're telling me. No, he didn't go full Dilbert, <laughs> and he he did I think backtrack, being like, oh wow, I that was a, a not not a valuable source. I shouldn't have shared that, but. Like, that's more unfortunate because that's a viewpoint that doesn't align with me. But, you know, of course, we have to address the elephant in the room. That sure. Alec Baldwin does star in this movie as well, uh, whose who's current crimes are much, much worse than yeah, just yeah, having yeah. a shitty political opinion. So, yeah, someone fucking um, died. So that's a little ex- bit different. Under his watch, yes. Because uh, he was the producer. Uh, uh, because of, of his hand. So Well, yes, but he didn't load it but he was in charge of the oh production i know that, that there's some toxic, ins and outs yeah. there but I've, i am just you know the, the plain you, and no, simple trigger was right. pulled it was him. yeah no no i'm not def- trust me i'm not defending anything <laughs> but it does make it we're gonna dog like this is now becoming a, a breakdown <laughs> of the crime scene oh, <laughs> we're not neither of us are tactful enough to do that oh, no we'll say we'll say that it's 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 deeply tragic i hope justice is found i hope he's tried with whatever he can get but right. it does make this episode incredibly awkward and comfortable because i could make a case that this might be one of his best performances yeah if you separate person and yeah movie, art and the like, artists yeah art and the artists like i was genuinely jaw on the floor of like kind of how phenomenal he is in this movie and we'll get into that and anthony hopkins as well um i also have this thing where i love when like sort of classical actors like big like serious actors drop a motherfucker in a movie yeah. and you don't expect it yes it does happen and he movie. like doesn't he's, he's not trying for like an american accent or anything he's still just anthony hopkins doing his, yes so just <laughs> dropping a, a motherfucker that just sound it's like so velvety and just like yes, yes like it's, it's it's such a royal on a cushiony pillow little yeah. motherfucker it's just yeah like, oh, exactly he's like you know what are we gonna like it's just like what are we gonna do with that we're going to kill the motherfucker. And I was like, yes, <laughs> that's right. You are. It's fantastic delivery. I love that scene. But I, I really liked, you know, sort of how, and, and, and I thought about this a lot with this movie, um, because I have, um, and I know you haven't seen this movie I'm about to reference, okay. um, but you've maybe seen a couple of the other ones I'm about to reference as well. Um, I thought of Infinity Pool a lot. The Brandon Cronenberg. I know. Movie. It's on my list. Um, I got to watch it soon. You got to watch it. And I'm not going to spoil anything of that movie. But what I liked about Infinity Pool, because it comes out, because um, uh, we're getting a lot of movies recently, I feel, that are on the sort of back of Parasite's success, that we have these movies about sort of class warfare, yeah. class structure. The these, menu like, e- being a recent the, one we yeah, talked the, about. The menu, yeah, yeah which I, I really did not like the menu. <laughs> Um, <laughs> go back and listen to that episode we talked about our feelings on the menu did we talk about the menu we did on a catch-up episode didn't we i don't think we did i don't think we ever talked about did, it was it have, just you and i talking about i think it? we just talked about it before mike one episode before we actually started recording I think oh, we my, oh no we we haven't talked about the menu but i guess i'm gaslighting say, the audience <laughs> go back and listen to an episode that doesn't exist needless to say neither of us were fans of the menu so we'll leave it at that but didn't like the menu i didn't even i liked it better than the menu but i didn't really even like triangle of sadness uh ruben oslin's new movie that's currently up for best picture oh yeah yeah yeah. um i wasn't a huge fan of that movie either um and there's been a couple of these other things glass onion well. uh yeah i liked glass onion but glass sure. onion 
the, but the, the eat the rich aspects of Glass Onion to me are the clunkiest things about the movie. Yeah. But when the movie introduces its mystery and it does like a workmanlike structure, it's really good. And that's sort of what I was getting at with Infi- how I felt about Infinity Pool and how that sort of relates to the edge in that um, like there is an element of like class structure in this movie. Like Anthony Hopkins is this billionaire, you mm-hmm. know, this absolute billionaire. And I kind of love that like, the movie never says what he does. No, like, we, we have no idea like, why. We have no idea why, but he's just, he is just a billionaire and he's got, um, he's got like a model wife. Uh, she was a real model. I don't have the IMDb in front of me, hmm. unfortunately. But, I um, do. I can get uh, to it. Uh, but, it's uh, Elle McPherson. Yes, it is Elle McPherson. You're right. Yeah. Cause she was a, a sports illustrated swimsuit yes. model. Um, she doesn't have a ton of film credits. She's in this. She's actually in Batman and Robin. Uh, she's Bruce Wayne's uh, love interest. In, oh fuck! You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but um, so he's you know he's this billionaire. We don't know what he does, but he's a billionaire. He's got this like model wife, and he's out there going out into the Alaskan wilderness. And it sounds like like you said, it's important to note that like these this sort of entourage of people. Um, which would be like Alec Baldwin's character, which is a photo- he's a photographer, uh, and he's shot a lot of like the model suits that uh, that um, L. McPherson has done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I mean we find out he's done. Well, I think they're out that. there specifically for that, right? Because I mean like, they're doing they're on a getaway, yes. but then they go outside with um, Alec Baldwin, and then his uh, partner is Harold uh, Perrineau, um who Link is from the or it might be Perrineau. Um Well, and he's also from Lost. And he's from a, oh. a recent television series that seems to be, you know, trying to go the same way as Lost. And I'm still waiting on a second season. Uh, is from uh, that he's a lead in. Um, I really like him uh, as a character, and I think he's great in this as well. But uh, those good. are like our main players are uh, Hopkins, Baldwin, and Perrineau. Yes, you're right. Um, and you're right, they are there for a photo shoot and Baldwin being like an artist artiste mm-hmm. uh, is like this isn't working out. So he's trying to find a uh, indigenous uh, man who like uh, the owner of the lodge that they're staying at had photographed. And so that's sort of like the, the inciting incident of the movie that they go to find him and he's actually out hunting. And so then they get in the plane to go out to try and find where he's hunting. And then they run into a bunch of birds and the yeah. plane crashes. Which is all like set up. Like I, I, I love that it takes us about 30 minutes or so, 30, 35 minutes to get into them being out in the wilderness. And none of that time is wasted, which uh, again, uh, we're, we're talking about Mehmet. He, like, he, he knows sort of how to build these things into the script. And so like them running into the birds is, is set up. It's one of the things that before they even leave to go up into Alaska, uh, uh, an aide for Hopkins is talking to him. This is like, you know what sort of things to look out for? And he lists off a few things. And one of those is migrating birds that can come out of the air. And if you hit them, you're fucked. Um, but then I love also how out of touch they show Alec Baldwin's character when they're trying to take pictures of their model. But they they don't really have like somebody. Oh, the person who's supposed to be there to pose along with her who is another model is sick uh that's right 
And so then they're like, okay, we, we need to find a replacement. And that's what leads Alec Baldwin to be like, okay, we need somebody who feels more authentic, who's actually somebody who's like an indigenous man. And he sees the picture on the wall and he's like, look at this, 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 he's, uh, you know, rugged. You can tell that this guy is actually a hunter. He's got it in his blood and his bones. And this is the type of guy we need. There's nobody around like this anymore. And the guy who like watches the he watches the lodge is played by uh, LQ Jones who plays styles is just like, that's not from yesteryear. That's my buddy. He lives 20 miles North. (laughs) I took that picture last year. (laughs) Just, just how he looks, man. Like people outside of New York city look different, buddy. Yes. No, that's, (laughs) I love that. I laughed so damn hard. He puts him in his place immediately. The movie's really funny at times too. Like, like in a dark way, but like mammoth, like again it's just like stellar writing like dialogue so it's Mm -hmm. like he breaks the tension pretty often um but that's um i'm glad you mentioned him because that was sort of i i know i went like a million direction i was trying to wrangle my way back to what i was getting to um with this sort of uh with the sort of like eat the rich element is in this movie it's so much more nuanced than any of those movies i just mentioned and it remembers to actually be the thing. It remembers mm-hmm. to be the thing first, which is a survivalist action drama first, and then a sort of ex- societal commentary second. Right. And by doing so, the societal commentary is way more successful than like those movies that are like, well, we're just like the menu. Oh, it's just a bunch of rich assholes going to eat. Yeah. Like, okay. That's I'm a great not point. Really, that's a, I'm not getting anything out of this. Versus this movie, it's like, because there's empathy for Anthony Hopkins's character as well. Because yeah. it's like he's clearly like again he's this very wealthy person, and he even sort of jokes about it himself. Where like uh, he tells Alec Baldwin right before they crash, like never feel sorry for somebody who owns a plane, um, right? You know, yeah. so he's like self-deprecating. Like, he, he's self-deprecating, and he's acknowledged that. But like he is he's here because he actually wants to experience something. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it, we get through context clues, not blatant exposition, but context clues that this is a pretty like common occurrence of like this whole entourage going on the shoot and he never goes and he decides to go on this one. Mm-hmm. But the lodge owner um, like pitches him this like development. Like, Which I like, love I that need, scene too. I lo- It's so good where it's just like, you know, because he out or not Al Baldwin, excuse me. Anthony Hopkins is just he's he's untrusting of people because he thinks that people just want something out of him because they know he's this famous, his money like billionaire because of his money um and so he's like he's like i'm having a good time like i'm out here in the wilderness this is nice and um you know and he's like hey i here's here's these blueprints that i've drawn up for this like development all i need is 30 40 million dollars and this could be a lodge that anybody stays at and then anthony hopkins that's what gets him to go on yep. the plane he wasn't going to but then he's like ah, i just want to actually I, I don't want to talk business. I'm actually here to try and so that it becomes more fascinating later in the movie because what we're introduced with his character is that he he he's accumulated just all this information. I guess because that's just what you do when you're super rich. Like he's fascinated of stuff. He knows all these things, but has no real world application for him until you get into a point where like you have to and your actual survival depends on it. Right. And it's like he's actually the the fittest in the survival, the fittest situation because he's like read up about all of this stuff and there's that like line later in the movie where they're like you know because they're trying to get back to civilization and he's like i may never go back like i might just live off the land because it's yeah. so much more peaceful and, and fulfilling like, like, and fulfilling. like i feel i feel like i'm an effective person and like 
<clears throat> the, the I love the sort of things that they explore with his character because he's like the antithesis of Edward Norton's character in Glass Onion, in that yes he he actually does seem to, like he has like amazing memory. He is able to like conjure all of this information. Is one of the things that he wins the respect of the the owner of the lodge is that he's able to see one side of a paddle that shows an image of a leopard and then he's like what's on the other side and he goes well it's a rabbit smoking a pipe and i know that because like it's an old uh, native american legend about the the rabbit doesn't fear the leopard because he knows that he's smarter than the leopard so he's just hanging out and smoking his pipe so like he is able to not only like gather this information but it just, just sits in his head but he doesn't he's not using it in a cocky way or anything like that like he doesn't come across as like i'm too cool for everybody in this room he feels like fucking depressed and especially yeah. around his wife everybody around him he, he seems wary of and when his wife is in bed upstairs she's in bed she's smiling at him she's rolling around and everything and he's just like yeah yeah okay like he supposedly loves his wife in this movie, but you can tell that there's a part of him that's he knows like he understands you're with me because of my money. Like I might love you because I legitimately do love you and I care for you, but there's something that I'm getting from you that I can't quite like he never really opens up to her. Emo like we don't feel that he is devastated by her character or anything of what we end up like getting into later. We feel almost that there's a sense of like, yeah, okay, I kind of figured that the whole time, uh, which is really sad for his character. But then, like you said, once we get out into nature and they're really trapped out there, he is the only one that keeps his head on his shoulders and is just like, okay, here's what we got to do. We got to build a fire. We got to get him warm. We got to start. We got to build a compass. I know how to build a compass off the top of my head using so just good. the shit that's on my body because I am a genius like that. And that stuff was like super. I know that the woe is me. I'm a billionaire is probably not going to play to a crowd of, of modern day uh, viewers. But I, I feel back in 1995, the like eat the rich attitude wasn't really there as it is there today. So that was a hurdle to, to kind of get over to be like, Oh, boo hoo. I have billions of dollars and I can do whatever I want all of the time. But the fact that they kind of toss that out the window, like it informs the character, but it, he's not an asshole about it. He's actually really adept in the fact that he doesn't even really care about the money. And he's just a guy trying to get along, but he's used by those around him. I felt like it was played well enough in this movie that, like, I, I did really care about Anthony Hopkins' character, like, really early on in the movie. Like, he really set that tone. No, absolutely. He he does a phenomenal job, like, finding finding nuance and balance in that sort of uh, issue. Because I, I, I think you're right. I think I would be curious to see how this would maybe play to an audience now who's sort of conditioned for, like, a lot of those movies that I mentioned. I don't know how well yeah. it would play, but I, but like, to me, it's like, I, I prefer there to be some layers because it's like, I'm similarly where I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm of that same mind where it's like, boo, boo hoo, you have all this money, but it's like, I'd rather the shades of this, where it's like, you know, this sort of reinforces that old adage of like money can't buy happiness. So it's like, here's a guy who's clearly like not happy. Like he's, he's good at what he does clearly, which has got him to where he's at now. Um, but he's like not really happy doing it. And I love this, like the movie has 
shades of empathy even for like alec baldwin's character who like you know does eventually reveal some more like nefarious um like intentions but he you know but like there's still like you you understand his viewpoint as well where he's sort of like he's almost like what a modern audience would be viewing uh, uh anthony hopkins character where it's like here you're just this rich guy with all this money and you have this like hot wife and you have all of this like you know like like what do you where, have to complain where, about what do you have to complain about and it's like you know you're just the on this like echelon that's like i'll never even like remotely get to so like what what is it like he's just like seething mad at his existence mm-hmm. um you know but of course he has to like eventually come to at least somewhat of a begrudging respect because of he's alive uh because of him <laughs> as well right um so like it's it's such a fascinating like it's really such a fascinating dynamic um well, and, like, and I want to talk about their dynamic and I want to talk about their characters, but like this is an episode about killer bears. We so should probably we, get to the bear. We do got to get into that portion of the plot. So like you said, they hit migrating birds. The plane goes down in uh, a style similar to a book that I read when I was in grade school called Hatchet by Gary Paulson. Oh, I've read Hatchet. Yeah. It reminded me so much of Hatchet, of the plane crashes. He has the knife on him, where in, in the, the book, the, the kid has a hatchet on him, of course. But he's solo in that book. And um, there there is a different book, that, a sequel that came out later, where they go back to write the story of what happened in Hatchet. And then they get stranded again. And then he's with a group of people, and he has to keep them all alive. I can't remember what that one is. It's like a river something. Um Whatever, this isn't a show about Gary Paulson's uh, uh, <laughs> books that he's written. But the they are flying. They fly into the birds. They crash. They get up onto shore. Uh, Harold Perrineau, who plays Stephen, uh, is freezing cold. So they're able to, like, light a fire. And they we get sort of a sense of the characters in that moment as well because – uh, Anthony Hopkins build builds a fire. He makes sort of a, like a cabin arrangement. He takes a match, tries to get it lit, doesn't quite go, and then Alec Baldwin is like, "Fuck it!" and he pulls one of the very few flares that they have for signaling, lights it, and then just like burns the, like torches the thing and gets it going. So we get sort of like, okay, he's like the brazen bull. He's gonna like just charge forward. Uh, you know, consequences be damned. This is what I want right now. I want ap- like I want immediate fulfillment. And then Anthony Hopkins is very much like planned, strategized, like forward thinking. You know, we have very limited resources, which is probably why he ends up in the position that he's in. But these guys land. Speaking of things that were set up earlier in the movie, just like the birds were set up earlier in the movie. One of the things they talk about with L.Q. Jones about bears in the area is that there are bears. They are scary as fuck. If you see them, freeze. Don't make a sound and back away slowly uh, so that they don't attack you. However, he does mention that if bears do attack a man and they eat their flesh, there is a chance that that bear could then get a f- taste for it. They will stop hunting anything else that's in you know their food chain. They only want to focus on people, which is a thing that does happen. Uh, as I sort of mentioned earlier, they will just forsake all other food for sources that they usually go for and be like, nah, I'm killing dudes and eating them. Our characters end up running into a gigantic Kodiak bear uh, in this Alaskan wilderness that is a man-eater and, becomes, and starts stalking them. And, I mean, if we're doing a, a Jaws comparison... 
there the the stuff that they do with this bear is like genuinely unnerving and fucking incredible because they used a real bear bart the bear bart the bear uh, r.i.p he died in 2000 unfortunately yep. he was 23 years old but bart the bear they use bart the bear on screen for the the scenes of the chases and the fights and everything like that and whole like holy shit that that realism of them being on screen with this gigantic bear that you can make just that size comparison is scary as fuck yes terrifying uh, especially uh. when you get into like the like like two key sort of sequences of when they're first introduced to the bear and they're trying to get across like there's a, a, a the two log. cliffs and they're trying to get across the log and uh steven gets across it and alec baldwin gets across it and uh anthony hopkins is like trying to get across it and then he ultimately is like slips and falls in the creek and they have to like fetch him out of the creek um and then there's uh you know it, i will say I think it's fair to say probably spoilers from here on out. Um, oh sure, we're gonna we're gonna start putting uh, timestamps in the episode tag. So if you are interested in seeing the edge, I think both of us recommend it. You should definitely go watch this movie. Oh yeah. Um, but go ahead and skip forward to our discussion of Grizzly if you um don't want to be spoiled. Um, but I think uh when it gets to Steven's unfortunate end. Which, like, that sequence is set up so intense, uh, intensely, because he's, uh, he's bitten, uh, or he's bitten by the bear, right? Or yeah, no, yeah. he, no, sorry, no, sorry, no. well, before, he stabs himself. <laughs> yes. That's what happens at first. So he stabs himself because, he's, uh, Anthony Hopkins He's whittling a spear him, so he could fish. He yes, he tells knife. him to make a spear, and he dropped the knife, and he, he got a, it was a, a deep cut, but a clean cut, uh, so they were able to wash it bandage it and they're like okay replace the bandages and anthony hopkins tells him to go bury that first bandage um and they're at the campfire and the camera rack focuses like anthony hopkins stalks in his tracks the camera rack focuses and you see the bandage uh up on a branch and he's like i told you to bury it and he's like well like i didn't really like think to do it he's like he's like the wind can carry it down and the bear can smell that blood again Um, immediate gratification i don't want to take the time to bury this i'll just fucking throw it in a tree yes but uh yeah it was that turned out to be the biggest mistake of of his life his life doesn't uh, last much longer yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's true (laughs) but uh yeah then steven gets horribly mauled by this bear uh like absolutely like torn to pieces but and it looks great though like it's it's, it's, in the it's pouring so rain, lightning and, and is lighting the scene. We're just getting flashes of Steven screaming and getting tossed around. It's legit fucking unsettling. It is. It's terrifying. Because you know it's like a stuntman and like it's not the bear, but like it looks so convincing. Like you're just like, oh my god, this is absolutely like unsettling. And um, yeah, and of course he, he meets his end. Um, and so before you know anthony hopkins and alec baldwin can do anything they they're like well we have to we have to kill this bear or else we're going to like or else we're not going to get much further uh and have a chance to to get out of here um and that's of course where we mentioned at the the beginning that's where we get anthony hopkins we're going to kill the motherfucker (laughs) oh yeah which is incredible um and that like i think that's the other thing that i really you know 
found interesting um and like we don't have to get like too deep past it because i know we have two other movies to talk about um you know we are focused on the bear but the fact that by the time they fight the bear and they do kill the bear there's still like 40 minutes of movie left and so i was like i was i was like oh wow i was like okay they already beat the bear and i checked the timestamp and i was like oh we're only like an hour and 10 minutes into this hour and 50 Mm -hmm. minute (laughs) movie we still have much more that's gonna happen um well, and I thought that was really interesting. And again, Mehmet, like the movie itself is like man versus nature, but then it comes back around on itself where it's man versus man's nature, where, yes. as I sort of mentioned earlier, we're already into spoilers. There is a perception that everybody is using Anthony Hopkins for his money, his perception. And, and it's true. We, we sort of see that with the friends and the people that surround him, that they are using him for his money. And of course, his model wife is also using him for the money, and she has been having an affair with Alec Baldwin's character. This he confronts him straight up early on in the movie, being like, "I, you are wanting to fuck my wife. You probably already have a relationship with my wife," and accuses him of wanting to kill him when they're on the plane right before right. they hit with the birds. Yeah, he's like, like so how he's are already you sussed kill me? all this out. <laughs> he he knows, like he's he's just that uh, brilliant of a man, but then. Alec Baldwin is denying it the whole time. There are uh, scenes throughout the movie where Alec Baldwin is uh, not only like working alongside uh, uh, Hopkins' character, but saves him. There's opportunity if he wanted him dead, would just let him. Like when they're going across the log, Anthony Hopkins drops and is like dangling by his satchel strap that's hanging off of a branch. He, if he wanted him dead, he would just let him go over the falls. But he comes out and saves him. So that's something that's sort of in the movie to let you know that like if he wanted to kill him, he could have easily killed him up at this point, and but he didn't. But then it's not until later on the movie that they have killed the bear. They get to there's an abandoned cabin that's out in the woods and they find some supplies there, including a map and a canoe. And they know that looking at the map, they have a floating canoe. Okay, if we get on this canoe, we can take this river down and it'll take us far enough to where we can get on the other side of this mountain that we weren't able to climb earlier. And then we can start a fire and signal and hopefully the rescue helicopters will find us because I'm a billionaire. They definitely have rescue helicopters out here. Find me because I am an entire economy of my own and they can't just let me die out in the wilderness. So they find this. They're uh, elated. And then Alec Baldwin sits down, starts drinking some whiskey and loading a gun. Uh, And we get a reveal from uh, Hopkins character where he finds a receipt that lets him know that the the gift that he had gotten earlier, which is the knife that he's been using the whole movie, that was engraved for him, was part of a receipt that went to uh, not only a, a different gift that he'd received, which is a pocket watch, which was from his wife, but went to a watch that went to Alec Baldwin and had an yeah. engraving on him and that basically thanked him like, hey, thanks for the sex. Uh, which they set up early in the movie because his pocket watch stops working and he asks Alec Baldwin for his watch and he says his is busted. Yeah, and it's busted. In reality, it's not not busted. It's just, it says what it says on it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, thanks for that dick, yo. Um, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. I actually say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Thanks for the knights or something like that. <laughs> it's eight equal, 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 capital D, tilde, and then the smiley face emoji. Um 
which I I thought that was amazing. They were already putting that on watches back in 1995. But they <laughs> Hopkins sees this and knows, and and it, it basically like okay, like we're gonna do. Uh, a, a bit of old yeller, a bit of, of mice and men look out there and, and think of the rabbit sort of situation. And uh, he outsmarts him. Uh, Baldwin ends up falling into a, a bear trap, which um, was also set up earlier. Which is also in the movie, set up early they... in the movie. Again, Mehmet, he knows what he's doing. Set script. up payoff, set up payoff. Yeah, it's, 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 it's all like genelessly done. And I, I, I don't want to just like run beat by beat by beat by beat. We we should just move on to the next movie. But all of this to say, I know that we've gone through a bunch of spoilers already. But really, it is about the characters. It's about the performances. Yes. Uh, there's nothing that we can really say in this review that's going to encapsulate the entire movie. You really should just watch it if this sounds interesting to you because it's very well done. Super well done. Like I think that's a good spot to end it. Um, the only thing I would say has nothing to do with the, the the movie itself, which is very very good. I think like and again I shouldn't have been shocked given that David Mamet wrote it, but like seeing Lee Tamahori, who's um, whose filmography is uh, it's spotty, let's say uh, nicely put, because uh, <laughs> a lot of his directorial effort like. Like, uh, oh God, what else did he do? Like, uh, next with Nicolas Cage. Oh, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or Die Another Day, the, the worst all of the bangers. Bond, Oops, Bond all movies. bangers. Oops, all Triple X State of the Union, <laughs> uh, the, the sequel with Ice Cube, not the one with Vin Diesel. Um, like, it's a, it's a whole lot of not great stuff, uh, around there, but, but the edge is, the edge is really solid. Like, and it, across I think the board. for me is a perfect example of the power of a script because, in terms yes. of, I mean, the characters give the the actors are giving excellent performances, and I don't know how much of that is just that. Like, you cast Anthony Hopkins in your movie, you you could speak an entirely different language and be deaf and blind, and you're still going to get like a, a near Oscar worthy performance out of Anthony Hopkins. Uh-huh. Like when well, you say that he is in like the fifth transformers movie with a robot Butler. And he's the best part of, I haven't seen that movie. Um, <laughs> I have. That's the one with the shifting aspect ratio is through like sometimes within the same scene. Oh, it's insane. That's, that sounds very <laughs> terrible, but like they do a great job. So you, you have to think that, at least, you know, there was something behind the camera that was directing them. So even if his other director turnouts weren't great, I, I don't know how much of this can just be attributed to, to Mamet. I know that Alec Baldwin kind of threw the director under the bus uh, yeah. for this movie, uh, saying that uh, th- he was very much concentrated on the action portion of the movie and not so much the character building portion of the movie. It doesn't come across on the screen. It really does not. No, I like the and the action's well done too. So yeah. it's like I, I don't know. I feel like the movie gets the best of both worlds. So I'm I'm a little shocked, or maybe it's just because we're watching it with 2023 eyes and mainstream blockbusters kind of just stink at the moment. So it's like watching something, <laughs> watching something that has like pace and nuance and like story classically trained actors yeah it was just like oh my god it's like a breath of fresh air so well and um, also just like fucking gorgeous vistas like they shot this in in, like northern alaska and it just looks beautiful also sounded like it was cold as shit shooting this movie from the sounds of it oh (laughs) yeah anthony hopkins he was working through a slip disc on this movie in his back so like I, i i can't like 
I have not slipped a disc, but I've hurt my back before. And he had a slip disc, which is like the umpteenth degree above my back injuries. I can't even imagine trying to like walk your way through the wilderness of Alaska while that's going on. But he was on painkillers just to make it through the scenes. And in the scene where he goes into the river uh, and they had to like fish him out of it, he didn't feel how cold he was because of the painkillers. And then he started to go into hypothermia and they had to like emergency take him off set and get him to the hospital because he didn't realize like how bad of shape his body was in. So it was like bitter cold and people were putting up with a lot of shit to shoot this out in the middle of the wilderness. Well, I mean, it, it's all on the screen. Like, it definitely yeah. does pay off. I do. Last thing I do want to say, because I, I forgot to mention it when you mentioned during the plane crash when they go out and you mentioned that they get that they have limited flares, but they get the flares. That's some of like the best visual literacy like cuts that I've seen in, in a movie because the movie they clearly show before the plane goes down and in that sequence when they're underwater trying to get out that there is a shotgun on the plane. Mm-hmm. And then there's only, like, a chance to grab one thing. And Anthony Hopkins grabs the flares yep. and not the shotgun because he knows he can go much further with the flares than with the shotgun. And I was like, that's fucking brilliant. Like, yep. <laughs> it's so good, like, visual storytelling. I, I like, really good movie. I Man, I'm going to bump my rating up. I like, I like <laughs> this movie a lot. <laughs> Well, and I I know that I said that this is probably going to be the one that we talk shortest on. And if I'm looking at my recording correctly right now, I know that we started a little bit before we started actually getting into the episode. But I'm at 55 minutes. So uh, strap in, folks. Uh, This is going to be uh, another marathon episode uh, because we unfortunately do have to pivot out of the edge, which I think we can both solidly say that we recommend. Um, Yes. And unfortunately, we're going to have to take several steps down to get into the dirty, dank, dark basement of our bad, which is Grizzly from 1976. A motion picture is coming that does not cater to fantasy. You will see nature's most savage man-eating animal. By its size alone, it can overpower and devour any human. Grizzly. Over 18 feet tall, over 2,000 pounds, the largest carnivorous brown beast in the world. Because the campers come in here, they leave food around, the bears get the smell of it, and that's it. Well, this is different. This bum's eating his victims. Anyone is fair game. Because this grizzly preys on the easiest food of all, man. 18 feet of man-eating, gut-crunching terror. The deadliest jaws on land belong to grizzly. In the most shameless Jaws ripoff of our picks, a possibly ancient grizzly bear stalks and kills campers, scouts, and rangers alike in the dense forest of who knows. The park ranger, a veteran helicopter pilot, and experienced mountain man band together to hunt down and kill the maniac mauler before he can kill again. Ryan, what did you think of 1976's Grizzly? I felt about Grizzly about the same way I felt about Cocaine Bear, which is... (laughs) When the bear's on screen, this movie jolts to life. When the yep. bear's not on screen, you'll be asking, where's the bear? Um, 
astute, actually, because uh, it's ultra-violent when the bear is on screen, so it's got the same appeal of gore and whatnot. And then again, the characters kind of suck, don't have much going on. I, I found little to grasp onto. Like, I, 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 will, I will be completely transparent on this one in that, like, when when the bear was not on screen, I was struggling yeah. to, like, stay awake during it. And, and it's like... You know, and it's like it's it's a template we know. It's a Jaws template, and it's like, and it's an actor I like. It's it's Christopher George, um, who most people probably know as the detective from Pieces. Pieces. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, his wife Linda Day George, of course, is the the other the undercover uh, uh, officer in Pieces, the one who yells "bastards" and peeks. Well, sorry, you didn't the, the mic there. <laughs> no, I, I did it on purpose. So I'll have to put a hard limiter uh, when I drop this into Adobe <laughs> Premiere. Um, but uh, no, I, I found this movie outside of the bear attacks, which like like you said, are are very gory, like surprisingly gory. Like when the yeah. first one happens, I was like, oh shit. Like I, I was kind of expecting like it to be like kind of like, I don't know, just like slap fight. Um, you know, which I guess is more our next movie, which yeah. almost makes it, yes, more, which almost makes it more charming. But, um, but like, it was like, oh man, this is like really gnarly and nasty. Like I did not expect it. But then we cut back to park ranger, uh, like sort of waxing poetic. And he, he seems nonplussed almost the entire time. Like he's almost got like a, sm- like a smirk, like underlying everything so it's like as these like campers are being murdered it's just like he never seems really like that phased by no. it. um and so i just like yeah i'm like i just kept kind of looking at my watch being like all right when's the bear gonna show up and do another nasty violent uh, scene because that's that's what i'm here for um but anyway i will ask I was, you what, what i was you worse grizzly i was you looking at worse. my phone uh, when i watched this movie the first time it's like i like you like outside of the bear kills because in the first like 10 minutes we get a pretty decent bear kill or two bear kills uh and i thought the movie was going to move in one direction and i was really on board and then it, it just got more and more boring and more and more repetitive to the point where there was long portions of the movie where i was looking at my phone and then i would hear like a musical sting and look up and so that that's why today i went back and rewatched the movie and I rewatched it with my phone away and on the charger so that I couldn't get distracted. Uh, although I watched it on my computer and I still got distracted because I would go over to like the IMDb page to look up something. And I would look up a Wikipedia page and I'd be like, I haven't watched the movie in 10 minutes. And then go back and have to rewind it. So like th- this movie, I'll just look at it right now because I still have it up. It's an hour and 31 minutes long. And I told you that I, I finished this movie at uh, around 8.15-ish uh, when like right before we were going to record. But I started the movie like just before six o'clock. It, it took me like that long to get through the movie because I kept having to go back to be like, oh, that's right. There's a movie playing that I'm supposed to be watching and caring about. The, and this movie, I want to point out. So this movie came out in 1976 and it was an independent movie. And at the time of its release was the highest grossing independent movie of all time with 39 million. And it held that record for another two years before being surpassed by Halloween in 1978. So this movie was a hit with audiences. And when I first made this episode out, like I said, I made it by just looking up other animal attacks movies that I can compare to Jaws. And I put them on our list in the order in the way they were received by audiences. And Grizzly is better received than Claws is. Claws 
when it released in 1977 was such a tanker like shitter it re-released the following year in 1978 in canada and mexico under the title grizzly 2 yes to try and ape off of the success of grizzly because because that movie did so well and it you know didn't trick anybody it's like people still shit on it and like it still doesn't have a better review but i like well, we'll get into it when we get into our what discussion i don't want to quite do it right now but i find claws infinitely more interesting than what i find from grizzly i think it's because like and and again i don't want to get too far ahead but i think claws claws has that sort of sweet spot of like otherworldliness where like everything about it is so off and yet it and dreamlike and it makes it charming um because like and i and i don't want to besmirch grizzly because of course like i i i can't stress enough how well the attack sequences are and i can't stress how well enough that you know because grizzly probably had more money than claws did in fact you could tell by the two movies that they had more money (laughs) than claws did yeah yeah (laughs) But um, the shorts we made in college might have had more money than Claus did. <laughs> and, uh, and they if had, didn't and they, put any money towards it. We didn't have any money. So, um, so you know, and, and so I, I can't knock that. It's still a low-budget movie, Grizzly is, but it just, it, it, it reeks of that sort of like some producer somewhere cynicism of like some of these Jaws knockoffs where they're like, hey, like this movie made a bunch of money, so let's make one in like return you know it's the same right. it's the, we've talked about friday the 13th i don't know how many times on this show and dedicated a whole episode to it it's that same thing of like oh well halloween made a bunch of money so let's go make a movie like that um but even that movie had a bit more skill uh in its execution than something like grizzly grizzly sort of just like just put the camera on sticks and then have mm-hmm. people talk and then uh, and it's just like ah i have no interest investing in like i have no investment in this whatsoever um and so it's sort of it's sort of frustrating because you're like this could be a a awesome like low budget like horror movie but it's sort of just i don't know they didn't really put a lot of the effort into anything outside of the bear attack sequences no and in their characters either because i i took i took ample notes on the movie and that was just a uh a point of me being like, okay, I have to pay attention to the movie today. So in order to do that, I have to sit here and take notes. And most of the notes aren't interesting. One of the ones that I did take down and I thought maybe this would be an interesting discussion. If it's not just cut it from the episode, but is Grizzly a proto slasher since it came out in 1976 and our bear killer is all POV and heavy breathing as he's moving around throughout the woods. And when he attacks people, they're covered in gore. And when he attacks the two women early on in the movie, there is the scene where the ranger and a few folks go like, Hey, uh, we ran into those girl campers up on the hill and we haven't seen them come back. So we got to go looking for them. And they go to a cabin to find them. And, and when the sheriff uh, or, or ranger forces the door open, one of the women's bodies falls down from the rafter covered in blood in front of him. And I made a note in my phone being like, is this fucking Friday the 13th? Like what? Like this bear is stalking people in first person mode, breathing heavily, slashing people up. There's gore all over the place, hiding their bodies in the rafters of a cabin. 
it has all of the markings of a proto slasher, and this came out in 1976, so this is before Halloween. Honestly, the only thing it could really be aping off of is Black Christmas or some very early Jalos. Or even the Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well. Or Texas Chainsaw uh, Massacre. Although, was there a first person scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No, no. But there's like bodies like turning up in it. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, but there's no there's no there's no POV. So yeah, if you're sticking with the POV aspect, yeah, like Black Christmas is probably like one of the only ones, or maybe something like the Severed Arm from 1973. Sure. But um, I. I think that's an interesting angle. That's a more interesting angle, I feel, than like most anything else in this movie. It's like looking at it as a proto-slasher. Because almost like a slasher, or at least like a bad slasher, because when it's a bad slasher movie, you're almost rooting for the, the slasher because you're just like, yes. I just want to see the good practical gore effects in the movie. I don't really care about these like 30-something-year-old teenagers that are out in the woods fucking around. And so if you're looking at it through that lens, then I think, grizzly is like i don't want to say successful but closer to being successful i feel than like a jaws knockoff yes because like oh by far because like jaws you know as we know i mean jaws has such a storied you know and well-documented history at this point that like jaws isn't about i mean jaws is about the characters much like a movie like the edge which i think makes a you know a perfect uh thing to be in this episode um however but it's also it's about the drawing of tension and the potential of the threat than the actual threat itself, because we all know that Bruce, the mechanical shark, is not very well done. So they're consuming the shark as much as they can. Right. Um, but it's like, but Spielberg worked around that and used like interesting techniques. And so this movie has really good practical gore because it's just somebody in a suit. And so they're able to be like, well, we could go hog wild. And they do. And it is the best things about the movie. But then you're like, ah, but I don't care about anybody else. There's no right. Chief Brody in this movie. There's no Quint. There's nobody. Although they I try, like. they give they them do. Hoop, they give them Hooper and Quint and Brody moments throughout the movie. Just yeah. all of them are flat and terrible. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they like they try to like, and then the, this movie also has like a, you know it has the element of uh, of like uh, like it's the big like camping uh like season so like the mm-hmm. the the like they're like we can't the mayor yeah, the mayor yeah he's he's i don't even is he he's not the mayor but he's he's some I, big big wig. I, don't I don't know, know exactly him. what he is and i i had to rewind the movie again several times but i had to go back after i finished it my most recent thing to be like is this a private campground and them closing the campground is going to like lose them funds and so then he just won't allow him to do it Okay, so first off, no. This takes place in National Park, and it doesn't say what national park. There's just a sign at the very beginning that says "Welcome to the National Park," uh, which is not how national parks work. They're all named, but so national parks get funding. They get funding through tax dollars. So there are some parks. Uh, some national parks that do have an entry fee, depending on who's coming in. But if you're like a, a hiker who's coming in, if you're one person, it's like fifteen bucks, like ten to fifteen bucks per person. And that's now though. In nineteen six, is probably like a dollar, fifty or a cents. Quarter. Yeah, <laughs> like if if anything at all. Like a lot of these parks have added their funding throughout the years uh, because they weren't getting enough funding through tax dollars. So yeah, it was probably completely free in nineteen seventy six when any of these people would have been showing up. So then. This fucking asshole, like, the bear comes in, kills two people. Uh, they tell him about it, and he's like, bah, sucks. And then it kills another person. By the time 
we get later on in the movie there's like an argument between the the ranger and him and after he's killed four people and this is still like only 30 minutes into the movie and he says like you know i want to go find this bear that's been attacking these people and kill him i need some uh some people from washington is what he says so which makes me think that okay this happens in alaska or idaho or montana like somewhere like within washington state or maybe this is supposed to be appalachia and he's asking for like dc that's i was thinking that that's where my mind was at um there's a whole lot of evergreen trees though in this forest it's i like i couldn't it doesn't as somebody who now lives on the east coast it doesn't look like the east coast woods around me so, but that's just because I mostly frequent Spooky Maine, and and Spooky Maine does not look like the forest that they're in in this movie. Um, <laughs> if yeah, if you, I did not look this up, so you know, I'm the asshole for this. Uh, it filmed. <laughs> oh, you know what? It was. It is the DC because this was filmed in Clayton, Georgia. Holy so shit! Are, yeah. Oh. So they are 100 percent talking about DC. So uh, the the uh, Georgia is also where Cocaine Bear takes place. So we have another connection to cocaine bear um i wish we okay. didn't <laughs> i unfortunately but yeah, there we go they're they're in georgia i've never been to the woods of georgia or georgia in in general so i don't know what those woods look like i mean i've been to atlanta but i've never been outside of <laughs> oh there's not a dense forest in uh downtown atlanta for you, you know you'd there. be surprised but uh no there is there is not <laughs> but, but he talks to the 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 mayor Again, I don't know exactly what his fucking tie to this this uh, campsite is, but he's like, you know, oh, we can't shut it down because all the campers got to come in. And so um, I can't give you the guys from Washington either because I don't want to blow this whole thing out of proportion. Like the next scene or, or two scenes later, like less than a minute later, we get the uh, the incompetent drunken townsfolk come in to start doing their hunting, which is the same scene that we got in Jaws of here. Here come the good old boys with their rifles and their shotguns. They're going to come running out in the woods and find the bears. The uh, ranger sees them, goes and talks to the mayor. It's like, what's all that about? And the mayor's like, oh, yeah, I called those guys. And they're like, oh, and he even has a line of like, they're not professional hunters. A lot of those guys are, are like blasted drunk and should not be out there. They're running near actual campsites and, and stuff. So you could actually have innocent people get killed here. You told them just to shoot bears. So they could be shooting bears that aren't the bear that we want killed. They could be shooting any random wildlife. None of this is in check. And the, the mayor is just like, yeah, fuck you. Like he has no problem with it whatsoever, which is like, okay, you don't want to blow this out of proportion, but you're going to call in like a hundred drunken rednecks just to do hunting it, it's basically a proto of uh, the galaxy invader don Dollar's the galaxy invader. yes just a bunch okay. of drunk rednecks go out in the woods to shoot an alien like 80 percent of that movie is basically the the kill the beast uh song from beauty and the beast where like gaston and everybody are out there but it's just drunk rednecks and that's kind of what this movie's like <laughs> as well <laughs> well and we get one of the, the hunters gets chased through the woods and uh, doesn't get killed by the bear, but he, like, sees it. Um, it. Which is another talking point where the the mayor is just like, how do we even know it is a bear sort of situation? It, which they, Of course, because it's uh, Jaws, it's the same thing. Like, well, how do we even know? Like, maybe it was a boating accident. They had to throw that thing into it. But he chases the, that hunter. It's obviously a bear. We know that now. Um, but then... When he he gets mad at him, he calls. Oh, he also calls the the ranger a maverick, which 
like a maverick is somebody who doesn't play by the rules but he's telling him like can you get me like rangers from washington so we can go on a coordinated hunt to go find this thing we'll shut down the park and, and we'll try and round it all up and he's just like oh you're you're a maverick here you're, you're breaking the rules he's like no nah, man he seems to be like following the letter of the law you're hiring a bunch of drunken high rednecks to run off in the woods with no supervision to shoot through random tents at anything that moves it seems like you're the maverick in this situation um oh man I want to get to, because there's a point later on. Uh, oh, yes. So there is another attack. The, 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 they tell, so the ranger is able to work with the other forest rangers and he tells like, you know, you go to this post, you go to this post, you go to this post. One of the rangers is up in like a fire tower. It looks like it's kind of like a rickety two by four is sort of structure. It doesn't exactly look like a fire tower that I've seen before a firewatch tower, but you know, they got it. Uh, bear comes running up and then just attacks the base of it. And, uh, it, it, they do a bit of, um, like star Trek, uh, or, uh, 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 like power rangers where like, Oh, the ship that I'm in is shaking. So the camera (laughs) shakes a little bit and the actor, flails his body around but very clearly like like no you're like nothing's actually moving is that sort of effect and the bear is able to tear down this uh firewatch tower and kill the ranger that's up on top of it we then cut to uh there's some like media people in town that are interviewing folks around the area about what's going on um this is a dude who looks like a chubby stephen king who's just like yeah they're doing a great job uh, although like now at this point in the movie five people are dead uh and they have, they have no idea where this bear is so i don't know where that guy's getting his information but the we then cut into the room of them being like well like oh god how did all these media people get here and the mayor's like i called them i wanted to let them know what a great job we're doing and it's just like okay your entire thing was like i can't call in rangers because They'll blow everything out of proportion. I don't want the story getting out, but I'm going to call in the media and tell them that we're doing a great job after the fifth death by this bear and we have no leads whatsoever. So it it's like we have to follow the Jaws formula, but we're not talented writers. And so then we're just going to give these characteristics to the mayor character, but we don't have to actually give him any like internal logic or give him like story motivation as to why he makes these decisions. Like, his character is the most frustrating fucking thing in this entire movie. Yes, I, I agree. Sorry, like, I ranted it, for a while there. No, it's okay because I, I like, like I said, I'll be completely transparent. I got, I got nothing. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's he's frustrating for sure. The whole thing, the whole thing's frustrating <laughs> until you get into like the last, I don't know, fifteen minutes, minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, we're like then, then like. Because it's like you you get a good opening as we mentioned, and there's a couple kills spread uh, spread throughout, and then it sort of like it really does sort of die out for like a while, um, mm. much like Cocaine Bear. Um, but then um, it does sort of ramp up when like the final encounter with the bear happens. Uh, that, that like everyone's going around, they're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do by whatever means necessary to get the bear. Like one of the rangers is out there on his horse. And the bear fucking decapitates this horse. Which Hell yeah! Is like an amazing, amazing scene. Um, 
And then they, uh, they're out in a helicopter, like, chasing the bear. They find their friend, like, is, has been got by the bear and his horse. This bullshit. Uh, this is like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, and then we enter, uh, a bazooka. Um, yeah. Because, oh, not? God. <laughs> it just blows blowing, just blowing through the, 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 the plot beats of this movie, too. I mean, w- I mean, like you said, you've you got nothing to really say. I, I, like I said, I just finished watching Grizzly right before we started recording. So a lot of this is fresh in my mind. I watched Grizzly first of the three movies that we watched. So it's like, it's, it's I don't it's blame already, you for not revisiting it. it. It's, it's left, not worth it. It's left my brain. You know, it's, I, I know we're blowing through the plot beats, but it's like, the plot beats are jaws that's that's the problem it's like yeah. the plot beats are things that you know and they're characters you don't care about it's all a means to get into these bear attack sequences yep. um to which they're great there's just not enough of them in this movie this movie needed to be wall-to-wall bear like yeah. the bear need to be messing messing people up left and right um but. Well, if if I could compare the movie to another movie that we've both seen uh i'd compare it to suburban sasquatch in that well, <laughs> the bear just kind of shows up and like we're just the, a sound clip short of of him attacking people but he's just like flaying his arms and limbs are flying off like he's delimbing people the entire movie which totally reminds me of that and then of course in between all those scenes the characters fucking suck and it's not really well put together yeah but i was more engaged by the characters in suburban sasquatch than i was this <laughs> <movie>. <laughs> And that is that is not uh, that is I not a joke. See, I wanted to see that guy win a Pulitzer. Uh, I really did. Well, and it's funny. Like I, again, I don't. Uh, we're we're almost there. But I was actually going to compare Claws in certain respects to Suburban Sasquatch. So, um, oh, okay, <laughs> interesting. Um, I did want to touch on a couple of things there. You did say that a lot of the plot beats are um like Jaws. Um, we we get a scene with a helicopter pilot where he gives his own USS Indianapolis speech, but yep. he just tells like a, a legend that he can't even verify of Native Americans who were slaughtered by a, a herd of grizzly bears. So it's not even like a personal like I was on this trip and this. He's just like I heard a story once about it, which doesn't have the same impact when you're trying like. And he's we, you know, we not still the same level the of actor. Uh, yeah no uh, yeah no, yeah no. oh yeah it's not this and it's not spielberg shooting it like so it's like why did you even fucking attempt to do this scene that's not parody it's you trying to rip it off so it just ends up being really really cringy um the he won't close the park uh the, there's a scene where the bear kills a lady and her kid which really reminded me of serpent and sasquatch because that's the scene that happens in the movie um yep. Uh, I called there's the character Scotty who's like the uh, nature guy he's like the hunter that they called in I ended up calling him Hooper in my notes because that's who he is uh, that's what his, his sort of avatar is he's, he's just like an expert in bears and he tells them all about the bears when they ask him questions that's how we know about uh, they found a victim who was partially buried and he's like well yeah bears do that they will attack their prey when they're dead, they will bury them and then they'll come back later to actually feast on the corpse after it's been in the ground for a little bit. So there's that scene where he decapitates the bear, Hooper gets attacked, and then Hooper gets buried in dirt. And we as the audience are like, oh no, Hooper's dead. But then we get a reveal when his eyes open up that, oh, Hooper survived the attack. And he like claws his way out of the dirt and we're like, oh, Hooper, he's going to make it. And then 
Hooper looks over his shoulder and the bears is there. And then the scene dissolves out. And then we see our other two characters show up and find Hooper's dead body. And it's like, it's almost like they tried to do Hooper in the shark cage scene where like, oh, fuck, he's fucked here. Like, like, where's is, where is he going to go? Where's he going to go? And then he swims away. And then we like aren't sure if he made it or he didn't make it until Hooper shows up at the very end. But then like they they fade out as the bear is coming in on him and then he's just oh yeah he's dead it's like why did you even bother doing the fucking fake out and and setting up bears burying people and then you just use that to fake us out and kill him but then speaking of setups you mentioned the rocket launcher so it's after they mentioned after they 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 find hooper's body they're flying around in the air and they spot the bear and they chase the bear down to the bear's exhausted and then they land in the clearing where where it's exhausted which is like you should have just been doing this like a month ago before 18 people died. Just fucking fly around till you find the thing and then exhaust it and land and kill it. But they land. Uh, they go out there. Apparently, the um, flyboy uh, only took three bullets with him because he takes a, a, a rifle out, shoots three bullets. He's out. And then he just tries to use it as a club. And then he gets fucked and he gets killed. And then our uh, Brody goes back to the... Uh, helicopter and it's just like well, okay what else is in here oh a rocket launcher is in here and just pulls that out and blows the fucking bear to smithereens and then the movie cuts to just goes to credits as he's walking off into the woods and there's just like a burning corpse or bits of corpse in the middle of this field that are next to it which like th- it's not like it's set up like the air tanks in jaws or anything there's just a rocket launcher that's in the helicopter, and oh, oh yeah, cool. I'll just use this and like fights his way out. So it's Jaws, but it's stupid and it's shitty and it's lazy. Yes, <laughs> all of that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. It's it is. It's it's really lazy and unfortunate. And uh, yeah, I don't have much else to say about Grizzly. It's I, it's again. I'm I'm sorry. I apparently. I had more to say about Grizzly than you did. I I probably have more to say about Grizzly than anybody at, at this point. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I there people like this movie. Like I, I, a lot of people seem to like this movie, and I, I I like I said like what you like. I've I've said that many a times. I I don't fault people. I just I don't see it with this movie. I no. I, I really had a hard time sitting through it. Um, you know, and and it's like we've and we've talked about some real trash on this show that, that, that like I enjoy and that you enjoy. And I, I, I just, uh, I just don't see it with Grizzly, but it, Hey, maybe we're in the minority, but well, uh, and here, here's the thing. Could you recommend it? No, I couldn't. I yeah. don't think I could. Like that, they, that's the thing. I... not, not especially like with our two, like with our good. And then, you know, our what that we're about to pivot into, I, I would recommend wholeheartedly. Cause like one's legit, very good. And then one is so weird, strange that I can't <laughs> not recommend it for just being like, I guarantee you haven't seen anything like this before nope. versus versus Grizzly. I'm like, you've seen this before. Everyone who's probably everyone listens to this, this show, everyone has seen this before. Even if you haven't seen this movie, <laughs> particularly you've seen this movie before and you've seen it better. And so, uh, yeah, no, I, I can't recommend Grizzly. Um, I gotta imagine someone's cut together a YouTube of like the bear kills and I don't know if you're oh, interested, yeah. just, just watch, just watch that. Like, 
just watch that um because they are good but anything in between it like it's garbage yeah snooze snooze but yeah i what was not a snooze uh (laughs) i mean it kind of was until the edible kicked in and then (laughs) i watched and then i was on board i watched twice sober and i really enjoyed 1977's claws b-e-a-r i didn't believe them signs no how I thought it was just a put-on by the townies. Folks made us show people. But man, now I believe. Where is the bear? Where'd you see it? How long ago? Like recently. Like now. Where? In the power wagon, man. He's in there. Well, did you try to scare him off? Hey, man, are you on Snap? Captain Nemo don't scare off nothing at these wagons. You're some kind of fuzz, ain't you? You go scare him off. Are you sure it was a bear? Hey, man. I'm a rock singer, not Walt Disney. I'm, I'm glad that you did. Uh, I'll just really quickly get the synopsis out of the way. Um, after a trio of poachers kill a grizzly and wound another in the Alaskan wilderness, the surviving animal savagely attacks and... In, in, oh, sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that again. <coughs> After a trio of poachers kill a grizzly and wound another in the Alaskan wilderness, the surviving animal savagely attacks and injures a local logger. Five years and many more bear attacks later, the now haunted logger obsesses over finding and killing his attacker. Ryan, you're saying that you love this on, on two views now? Did you love it both times? Uh, I I definitely liked it the first time. Okay, you know, okay. especially coming especially coming off of watching Grizzly, like oh, sure, I, I was like, because I was just like, this is this is weird, but like sort of like, and and I'll say like, I sort of half watched it in the background, like today is like a refresher, but like, I was like, man, this. So I I mentioned during Grizzly, because you brought up Suburban Sasquatch that I was going to bring it up for this. And I feel like something like Claws is like the direct precursor to something like Suburban Sasquatch. Like if you like bad, like, you know, good, bad movies or whatever you want to call them. If you like that type of movie, like this movie is everything is so off and everything is so wrong and it's but it's like a little bit i'd say even better than suburban sasquatch because suburban sasquatch shot on like shitty like dv tape (laughs) versus like (laughs) versus like somebody had to get a film camera to shoot this it was it was 16 millimeter it's gotta be there's no way they shot this on 35 though No, Uh, no no like uh, it's also only ever been available on VHS. It's not a very right, good yeah. so, transfer yeah. that's out there. Full so transparency. Not... We watched the VHS rip of this, and it's not. You know, it doesn't look great by any by stretch of the imagination. No, it does not. But it it, it almost helped the experience of it. But like mm-hmm. everything is so yet everything about this movie is so bizarre and the characters are so bizarre it has that regional horror feel to it which like i'm a sucker for as we've talked about many times on this podcast um the characters are just aliens i'm not convinced they're not like like the dialogue (laughs) is weird the the creative choices are weird um it, it often feels like uh it often feels like a david lynch film uh at times and 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 like sure not like as a whole but like the bear attack sequences have that like there's a certain type of slow-mo i don't remember 
like what it's called where it's like the sort of like the shutter sort of stutters and it's like that mm-hmm. like little mm-hmm. thing like david lynch uses that technique a lot and i just this weekend i just came off a double feature of firewalk with me and mulholland tribe so it's really fresh in my mind uh, especially like the ending of firewalk with me like i every bear attack has that like feel to it and i was just like this is this is just where like the bonkers. motion is still caught in the frame like it's not clean yes. uh slow motion at all yeah i mean i just came off of watching wild at heart last night so hell yeah uh, <laughs> I, I i understand exactly what you're talking about and i understand about the alien characters and sort of their relationships with one another and the dialogue that they have with one another the things that they're saying are sort of almost out of left field but the relationships that they have are very over dramatized. It, it feels like a like a, a you know a Tuesday afternoon soap opera with some of yes. their the some of the way they interact with one another, um, which I appreciate when it's it's done lovingly when when Lynch is doing it, but here they're doing it sincerely, which yes. almost makes it more funny. <laughs> it does. Well, that's the thing because even like Twin Peaks, like the first season of Twin Peaks, which I know you haven't watched yet, but, I watched um, like six episodes of it. Oh, I just need to oh. get back to it. Sure. Okay. Well, in the first season, there's that like in parallel with the the mystery of Laura Palmer throughout the season. There's like I forgot what it's called, but there is that like soap opera that's playing on the TV in a lot of the characters' houses because like mm. Twin Peaks is so like sort of amped up that it's like it is a soap and it works on that, but it's also kind of a parody of soap operas. Uh, but this is not that at all. And no. I was trying to remember there was one other thing that reminded me of Twin Peaks. And it was uh, the I think it's the older older hunter guy where he's out in the woods and he starts thinking that he's seeing like the bear and like the wolf and they like just like a frame of them pop. Oh, in. And, but and it's, it's like really poorly taxidermied. <laughs> yes. It's got huge and, bug eyes. Well, and it's like the part of the thing for like the Black Lodge in Twin Peaks is the white horse that like sort of like that just like fades into like like uh, Leland Palmer's living room at like some point in Twin Peaks. And so like the second that happened, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so you're saying that this movie is maybe a product of the Black Lodge? Is it might to to the point where like because I've read the the uh, David Lynch uh, autobiography Lynch on Lynch, which if like you haven't read Chris or any of the nope. listeners, I highly recommend it. But like his dad worked for the um, his dad was a uh, oh, what did he work? He was like with the, he was like a research scientist of some kind, and so they traveled a lot. He was born in Missoula, Montana, but like traveled a lot as a kid. Like he lived in Spokane, Washington for a time. Mm-hmm as well but i was like i was like did he live in like anchorage alaska by chance <laughs> and saw claws you know two years before he made a play at the local theater <laughs> the the one theater in in anchorage i'm sure uh but uh oh my god um so yeah needless to say i loved i loved claws but <laughs> Uh, I'll ask you, Chris. What did what did you think of Claws? <laughs> uh, I I don't know about loved. There was I there was a ton that I appreciated about it. The first time that I watched it, I was like, yeah, this kind of sucks. And like I said, it, like I I took an edible like five minutes before starting the movie, and I was very much like I was dozing on it a little bit. And then when that thing started to kick in, about an hour into the movie, is when st- stuff starts to really happen in the movie. Is about an hour in. And that's when I was just like, oh, I kind of get it now and retroactively kind of pieced together what I, I had just seen and, and, and made it interesting, which from that 
synopsis that I read, of course that that start is great. It reminds me of uh, it reminds me of Orca, which is something that we talked about on our, our previous you know Jaws ripoff episode, yep. where we just see these poachers out in the woods uh, who are looking at stock footage, which is like a, a, a big thing in this movie is stock footage and flashbacks. Um, they're looking at stock footage of these two bears fighting. And then they go like, Oh, well, you know, I haven't seen one of these in a while. Uh, better, you know, take the opportunity. And they start shooting at him and they shoot uh, one of them that goes down, but then runs off into the woods and they're like, oh, well, didn't get that one. Better get the other one. And they shoot the other one dead. And so then sort of the, the setup is a, a revenge tale for that surviving bear that mm-hmm. got shot down uh, and ran off into the woods. We get a, um, a glimpse into this happily married couple uh, who were just having the grandest of old times. And uh, <laughs> they... Uh, they are driving down the road and the truck breaks down and the dude's like, well, well, I better get on down the road to get some help. And he goes on down the road. And when he does, he gets a- attacked by that bear and, and not killed, but, but injured mm-hmm. the movie. Then uh, it, it doesn't flash forward. We get a montage of old, like DOS screens, typing text, giving us reports of bear attacks. <laughs> Over the it's course like, of five years. It's like boarding house where like the like, I was gonna say it's like, like threads that we oh, that we yeah. talked about on an earlier episode. Yeah, I both would be accurate. It's probably closer to threads because it's over like a typewriter, but like mm-hmm. you hear every single clack of that typewriter and it reminded me of boarding house, except it's on the like the computer circa nineteen eighty two. Yeah. Like, Just black text. No, no, yeah. bla- the white text on black screen, inky void of just like you know, a, a hiker attacked by a bear and maimed. And so it gives us the, these reports over the course of five years. And then when we come back in, that logger that got attacked earlier on is in bed and he's, I don't know, he like ate something bad that night because he's convulsing and having a real rough time. It and in his like head. He farts. <laughs> <laughs> I rewound it this time out because I was like, (laughs) because I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Like, I think it's supposed to be like, he's hearing the roar of the bear. I think it's it's supposed to be, but he's like, uh, uh, it doesn't help that he's, he has like this, like, like strained, like angry face that he's putting on. He's like covered in sweat. And then they just get like, It plays in, and it's like, wait, wait a minute. Um, no, it looks like his, his tummy's really upset and he's having a rough time. Um, but over over top of the fart audio is uh, like dialogue that's played that basically fills us in that over this last five years, he became so obsessed with this bear that attacked him that it ruined his marriage and his, his wife left him and, and took their kid. And so now he's just like some mountain man uh, that lives up there with uh, his buddy, uh, who's a Native American guy by the name of oh god, I can't tell from the IMDb page. It's oh okay. no! But uh, all well, <laughs> he he needs to drink whiskey. We do know that yes. about him yeah. multiple times. Uh, who does? Yeah, I mean, I get, <laughs> I understand. I get it. But uh, yeah, we, we he definitely needs to drink whiskey, and he'll tell you that. Oh yeah, <laughs> that he needs to. Yeah, um, that's his entire purpose as a character. Is like, you want whiskey? I'm gonna go drink whiskey. You want some whiskey? 
Oh, um, God. But, um, yeah, so he's living with his buddy. And uh, there's... And then there is another attack. That sort of, like, signals him... Yeah. To, to basically formulate this, like, revenge party, I guess. Yeah, this task this force there, of sorts. <laughs> which, is, which involves his friend some old Wilford Brimley looking guy actually looks more like Ernest Borgnine. Uh, oh, <laughs> I would appreciate so, that though. I love Ernest Borgnine. I would have loved that, but it wasn't, it wasn't him. He's Ernest Borgnine's the one who thinks he's seeing the bear and the, the wolf in the woods at some point. Yeah. Um, and, and they keep, they keep referring to it as the devil bear. Like it's become mm-hmm. a legend. They say so to take a shot every time they say double bear, except don't because oh, don't you will don't die. though. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I kept thinking of uh, of uh, like Supercharger Heaven by Rob Zombie, like, devil bear, devil bear, Colin. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's all I could think about. Put it in the movie. I would love to see that that YouTube supercut. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll I'll make it happen somehow. Um, but then, yeah, so they put together this, like, this weird ragtag task force. Well, um, we should talk about, if we're, if we're going to, I want to relate this back to uh, The Edge real quick, because we have this flash forward, we see that the the relationship, the marriage has failed between uh, Jason, who is the logger, and his wife, Chrissy. Um, but they have a son, and his son is a, uh, a camper in, like, in the Boy Scouts, and in the Boy Scouts, it's led by Howard, who is the counselor. And Chrissy starts having a relationship with Howard, the counselor. So the attack that happens is that uh, the the bear attacks the uh, Boy Scouts that are out in the middle of the woods. Howard shoots the bear multiple times, um, doesn't take it down. And the bear, I don't think it kills the kid. No, it doesn't kill the kid because the kid is uh, Chrissy and Jason's son gets right. injured and put into a coma. And so then because of that, there's like this sort of uneasy team up between these two characters of, you know, I've been traumatized by this bear for five years. You're newly introduced into this realm because, you know, my son was attacked and you are now dating my wife. So there's like this uneasy sort of partnership where they sort of like the edge of, you know, we're out in the middle of this shit, but I kind of fucking hate your guts. Right. Yes, absolutely. Uh, which makes it a weirdly good pairing. Like we had no idea really going into this that it's nope. that going to function that way. Um, but but it, it does. And it, it, it functions like well enough. Like, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, well enough, I guess. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say I was like invested I mean, in it. Mehmet did not write this. So, it, it, no, it does not work well, as clearly, well as the no. <laughs> Uh, and, and like I said, you, there's no Bart the Bear here either. There's, there's a lot of stock footage mm-hmm. and a lot of like uh, a lot of stock sound. And that's what I was going to make. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to bring up about Suburban Sasquatch because like the it's clearly stock footage that they made new, like either stock or Foley sounds of the bear. And you could tell it's just a loop of yeah. the bear roaring. Like it sounds better than the Suburban Sasquatch. Oh, sure. Like it sounds better. But, like, you could still find where it repeats in the loop, much like I'm, Suburban Sasquatch. <laughs> I mean, the sound for the birds is a human voice. Like, if you the if you listen, the, the sound for the birds is, ah! <laughs> it's a dude with a microphone going, ah! Well, and you, you 
texted to me before I even watched it, and it made me laugh every <laughs> single time that the sound of the wolf is like that classic stock wolf sound that's used for the duck soup song, The Big Bad Wolf. <laughs> Which I should drop a clip of the song in it for people who are not familiar. Just Google Duck Soup Big Bad Wolf. Or, you'll or thank, don't. You'll, you'll thank me or you'll hate me later for it. But uh, uh, you, you should. You should at least know. I rewatched it but after this uh, I after watching this recent one and I was just like, man, it's, it's still it's a banger. It still works. It, Kate and I resumed uh we we had resumed the latest uh best of the worst episode and in my recently watched had Big Battle. <laughs> she's like, Why did you rewatch that? And I was like, Don't worry about it. I, I rewatch it all the time. <laughs> it's a it's a mainstay. <laughs> Oh my god! And uh, then... No, speaking of stock sound, in that scene where the the camper gets attacked, there's a, a clip that's it's clearly ADR'd because it's a child's voice, but it it comes off so fucking funny because it's a bear ripping apart a tent, and it's just a young child's voice being like, "Help me, Mister Lockhart! Help me!" <laughs> it sounds like like leave it to Beaver or like a kid down the well. <laughs> Like asking Lassie for help, he's like his corpse is just getting tossed around by a bear. Oh no, Mister Bill! The bear kills in this. The bear kills in this are amazing, but for entirely different reasons than Grizzly. Like, like Grizzly is mostly boring, but then the bear attack scenes are actually like well done. Versus this one, they're they're not well done, but they're so odd that like you can't help. Hilarious. like they're almost like some of them are actually like to the point where I'm like, was this meant as a comedy beat? Because there's that other scene where they're sitting around like in the uh, one of the cabins like somewhere, and it's oh, like yeah. the old guy, and it's the old guy. He's just sitting the there poachers? being like one of the poachers. He's like outsmarted by a grizzly. <laughs> Have a hard time believing that. <laughs> bust through the fucking window like the end of friday the 13th part two just goes flying through the giant window <laughs> and then it does that shutter slow, slow motion slow thing mo- like, shot in pov of him attacking him it's so goddamn funny like i i think like it's so funny to the point where i'm like i don't know if this is by purpose or by accident i gotta assume it's by accident given gestures broadly at everything else about this movie right but uh i was i was cracking up both 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 times when that happened i was like <laughs> i had to like put my hand over my mouth so i didn't wake the household up it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, and, and up until this point like we're we're trying to get a sense of of the characters so we have like the introduction of Jason, the father, who, of course, is traumatized. We have the introduction of his companion, uh, who loves whiskey. We have the introduction of the new sort of, like, stepdad guy. Uh, they have, like, a they're, – they're not really into each other. And all of this goes over the course of an hour, which I think <laughs> – Yes. The, the the movie is I haven't even looked at the runtime of the movie. It's, it's an hour and forty minutes. minutes long. It's it's too long. For it's I will I will say long. this for what it is, it is way too long. It's far too long, and it's lopsided because all of this stuff that happens over the course of the hour, of like this should definitely be like a they they, they treat it 
they treat it like Sorcerer, which is another movie that we've talked about recently, where we get the backstory of all of these characters and why they should hate this bear before they actually go on to the bear hunt. But then the 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 part post we're going on the bear hunt is nowhere near as thrilling or exciting as Sorcerer. Because the, when they actually get out into the woods an hour into the movie – there's the scene where they're just walking and then the 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 native american companion is like looking off into the wilderness and he sees like you said badly uh taxidermied animals like there's wolves and bears and all sorts of shit that just pop into his field of vision or he sees two uh rams like like butt heads and it gives him a headache and he's like oh he like like winces against it and it causes him to fall down a hill and get injured which like, if we're talking about, like, survival movies, what a great premise of, like, there is this man-eating animal, and I'm obsessed with – this is a Moby Dick story. I'm obsessed with this animal. I am going to kill myself if I don't kill this animal first. So here I go out into the wilderness, and I have my ragtag group of friends going with me to get this animal – and they get out way too far. And at this point in the movie, they've talked about, like, there's a storm rolling in. There's all sorts of bad shit that's happening. Uh, there's no way that we can really turn back at this point. And after they've had this conversation is when his friend rolls down a hill and, like, fucks his leg up. And it's right. like, oh, man, like, what a great premise for a movie for you to be like, we are going to go after literally the most dangerous game. And then one of our group gets injured to the point where we have to get him back to civilization or he's going to die. But now between us and civilization is the thing that we're hunting flipping the table on us. What a great, like, setup. And they don't do anything with it, which is so frustrating. It is frustrating. I, I, like, when you look at it through that lens, it's 100% frustrating. I love the comparison to Sorcerer, which, like, this came out the same year as Sorcerer. So mm-hmm. uh, it's... Uh, it's like a deep so they, impact. they didn't have free, freaking to ape off of. No, I was just saying it's like a deep impact Armageddon situation where they just kind of came out around the same time, like parallel thinking. You and know? one's clearly uh, better than the other. Yeah. Yeah, and Claus is the best one. No, it's, it's <laughs> kidding. Uh, totally kidding. Obviously, if you listen to our episode on Sorcerer and my thoughts on the movie, but um, yeah, it's it is a great setup. But yeah, it is it it does. It's saved by the weird, like, sort of rhythms of the characters and their dynamics, oh, though. Yeah. Because, because if it wasn't, like, so alien, this would be just another, like, people farting around in the woods type movie, which, like, you've seen a million of these before. Um, and so it's, it's, yeah, it's a frustrating squander of a good premise, but then it's also just, it almost, it misses the mark so badly that it somehow like doubles back around to being engaging again for for what it is. <laughs> oh sure, but they don't even know what to do with that setup because no. like they, they he's injured. Oh fuck! Like the storm's rolling in. Okay, let's make camp for the night. They make camp for the night, and then we get a scene where the the dude continues to hallucinate, gets out of his tent, walks on down the path. Uh, hallucinating. Uh, they're they're like Native American elders. There's like three women who are, ba- I, I I guess, supposed to be like sirens, because sirens are 
well, Sirens don't even come in in triplets. I'm thinking of of something else in Greek mythology. But the, they're beckoning him down the path. He's like, oh, okay, yep, they'll follow you. Okay, over here. Okay, yeah, I'll follow you. And then they dissolve and fade away. And then the bear is there, and the bear like hugs him. <laughs> oh, and he dies. Smash cut to them sitting around the fire. And so then like it's Jason talking to his two companions, and they're like. Hey, uh, where'd that guy go? And he's just like, bad. Oh, he's gone. Oh no! <laughs> like, oh, like at this point in the movie, is it's like he has lived with that dude his entire life. They are like good, like best old friends. When his life, when his wife left him, only friend in the world he's ever had is this dude, and the, he's not like. Oh hey, uh, where'd that guy go? Oh, I, oh, oh fuck! I don't know. Like, uh, is he not in his tent? Oh shit! Oh, did he go off in the in the night? We have, we have to go after him. We have to go after him right now. And he grabs his gun and he's like takes out. No, they're sitting around the fire and he's just like, oh, uh, he's gone. Yeah, I saw that. Oh well, um, <laughs> you know, you think he can survive the night? You think we can just go to bed and not care about that guy and 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 uh, he'll be okay? Ah, uh, no, he'll probably die. Oh. I mean, the bear probably got him at this point. Yeah, you're probably right. They're, the bear <laughs> probably did kill him. All right. <laughs> it's like, you fucking assholes. Like, fuck all you guys. Like, everybody sucks around this campfire. But Jason does eventually be like, all right, I'll go look for him. And he gets up and goes off into the night. It ultimately doesn't lead anything because they don't find anything. And the next no. morning, uh, another character ends up getting their leg injured. And they have to helicopter him out, which leads me to the most fucking frustrating thing in this entire movie for me, which is going to require some background. I I kind of want to give you a second because I don't want to go just on another rant without you having a, a word in edgewise. No, no. I mean, I don't really have anything to add until we get to the... Uh the sort of final moments of the movie. I'm trying to think if there's anything like I wanted to touch on. I guess the only thing of note really is that uh, after these initial attacks uh, like start happening again, it's also Twin Peaks. It is happening again. Um, <laughs> is that, uh, is that uh, there's reporters coming out from Seattle out to Anchorage, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was kind of, kind of funny like oh the reporters out here from seattle want like like getting in our business and they're assholes <laughs> yeah. we're asking like super insensitive questions which I've, I've like first of all i was like whoever made this has not been to seattle because there's a thing called the seattle freeze and everybody is either either like keeping their own business or they're very passive aggressive so uh that the this person does not exist so uh nope. <laughs> just throwing that out there but uh that's really all I wanted to touch on before you you go. So I, I these are your picks, of course. So have at it. Go. I'll give you the floor. <laughs> well, and you'll you'll probably have something to say here as well because I'm sure that it, I'll, it it definitely probably bothered you. But the so this entire time we've been getting flashbacks and uh, uh, you know present day scenes between Jason and his wife Chrissy, and you know why she left him and there's a scene where they're talking together and Chrissy being like, don't go after the bear because if you go after the bear, you'll die. And he's just like, well, I've pretty much been dead for the last five, five years of my life anyway. So like, what's the different sort of thing, which is just like, Jesus Christ, uh, guy, uh, you should probably, uh, seek some help. But 
we like Chrissy is really made out to be the the bad person in this entire movie uh sort of like a side villain of like she like she didn't stand by her man while he was not able to cope with his trauma and was unwilling to do anything but just hang out and drink and not like go to his job or like he stops doing his job and he just lives in that shack up in the woods and it's just like yeah dude you have a, like a wife and a kid you should probably do something to help those guys out but he just completely stops everything and then Chrissy's made out to be like a terrible wife because she didn't support him in being a, a drunken unemployed asshole I don't really know that like I guess this was the message in 1977 that they really needed to get across um, but he goes out to hunt this bear he sends back his friend who's been injured on this mountainside after he noticed the bear was up there and he tells the helicopter pilot like no, you go on without me. I came up here to kill the bear, and that's what I'm going to do. And he, I don't know, I went almost Richard Nixon with that impression, but he sends his friend back. The wife runs up to the helicopter, Chrissy, and she's like, where's where's Jason? And he's like, well, you know, he stayed on the mountain. He's, you know, not coming back. And she's like, no, you, you can't do that. You have to take me up there. You have to take me up there right now. So she gets in the helicopter and they fly up to go try and find Jason. And we, you know, flash sideways. Jason is now no longer in the snow peak caps. He's right back down to the evergreens. He just hiked back down uh, another uh, 10 miles or so, right back down to the middle of the mountain. And he's there to fight the bear. The bear confronts him. It's one on one, mono y mono. Uh, the bear chases him up on top of a like mine shaft entrance and uh, gets covered in gasoline. Uh, by accidentally puncturing a tank and Jason runs off he's got an axe they're 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 tussling and it looks like Jason's gonna die in comes the helicopter with the wife on board and she's like he's in trouble you have to get me down there and he's like I don't have any weapons he's like well there's a gun here and she's like well you know that's a flare gun you can't use that and you know, as the audience and as me being like it's like x-ray he's covered in the the flammable fluid and she's got a lighter um but it's like okay, so he's in trouble. She's covered. He's covered in gasoline. The the bear is. She has a flare gun. Uh, this whole fucking redemptive arc of you know come back to me. Here's her specific purpose. Uh, and he's like toss the gun to him. Toss the gun to him. She's like no, get me down there. Get me down there. So he goes down, finds a clearing, drops her off. She gets out of the helicopter, raises the flare gun. Here comes the bear. She's got it pointed at him, both hands out, finger on the the lever action, which I don't know. I haven't fired a flare gun before. I don't know if it fires like that, but it looks weird. Dead to rights. This bear is fucked. And then just freezes and doesn't do shit until the bear closes the gap on hind legs and slaps her in the face, knocks her down, tosses the gun away from her. Enough for Jason to get up off the ground, close the distance to the gun, and then he picks up the gun and shoots the bear in the chest. And we get a flaming bad bear dummy shot off of a cliff, which I love bad dummy shots. I love flaming bad dummy shots, flaming bear bad dummy shot. Holy fuck. You've You've never seen this in a movie before. You've got me. You've got me. Like, whole, oh, fuck. You, like, this movie is made specifically for me. You're playing, like, right to 
my love and my strengths. However, why the fuck was Chrissy used as like a prop to get her to that situation to get the flare gun in Jason's hand instead of her just shooting the fucking bear and saving Jason and then that being their relationship coming back together. Like, like it totally feels like a hyper-masculine, this is 1977, the man has to be the one who is the breadwinner and brings it all home. Narratively, it's so fucking unsatisfying for her to be used as a prop to get slapped around by a bear who doesn't kill or injure her in this situation just to give the gun to Jason so that he can save the day. I was, like, legit upset at that point of the movie no i it's it's fair to be upset about that because it because it it's it's just like narrative nonsense they're like they they it's like in their head they probably pictured the bad flaming dummy bear going off a cliff and they're like well how do we get there um and then they like concocted that but i think you're on to something where it's like it had to be the guy doing it because that's just how the movie they were setting up. But it's, it's so, it just, it, it's so convoluted where it's like, she could have just done it. Yeah. Um, especially cause she's, she's a very, or she could have she, just dropped it from the helicopter and then Jason could have shot it. And she still would have been like a rescuer in yeah. that situation. But Jason still would have been the one to pull the trigger. Like but they the had to put freezes. her into a dangerous situation. For her to freeze because, oh, she's a, a woman, so of course she has to freeze and be the weak one of the situation so that Jason can rise to the occasion. It, it's just, it's, it, you know, it, maybe it's me being an asshole because this is 1977 and so that I'm judging history uh, incorrectly, but like that, like it bugged me. No, no, but like even in a 1977, like because it's like we, you know, people weren't cognizant of these things back then, unfortunately. Um, so we have to take it as is, but I think there's like a dual layer here because it's like, you look at through, you can look at it through a 2023 lens and be like, okay, well that's really like dumb that they have to make the guy do it. So you can look at it like that, but you can still also look at, at it through a 1977 lens and be like, well, narratively as well, that's a very stupid decision to make Mm -hmm. too. So like, you're like, it it doubly doesn't work because it's sexist and it's stupid on top of that. <laughs> so you, you got two layers there. So I, I, I'm in agreement. Um, I think, I think for me where it just came down to, it is unsatisfying, but I think I'm only human. I think flaming bear, bad dummy shot did a lot to redeem. Oh, dude. It. When yeah. it finally happened, it was like, that's, that got a incredible. double hand pump in the air, like cheer from me. I was, yeah, I was, I was really excited. I I've never seen that in a movie ever. Nope. Uh, like like I've, I've seen flaming man shots. I've seen bad dummy shots, but I've never seen a flaming bear bad dummy shot. That's that's probably never seen it again either. Like that's a that's a rarity. It's one for the history books for sure. Claw claws a true pioneer, <laughs> <laughs> the first and only of its kind. <laughs> but anyway, uh. Yeah, final yeah. thoughts on on these movies. I, I know that usually you're the one that asks this, so I jumped. I in. am. Ah, you you flip flip the switch on me. Um, well, I guess I gotta kind of go back through. I don't really have too many final thoughts, but I guess I'll just sew up. 
maybe my like reaction this was a fun episode by the way i i, I do oh, think good. it was fun and i do think they they bind it together pretty well i think like with the edge it's a little bit like you know it gets the upper hand because it's less of a, a bear centric movie and more of a character study so like it definitely has an upper hand it also has like a, a terrific cast and a terrific screenwriter behind it um but like either way but like if you just boil down the actual bear attack stuff it's stronger than either of the two movies so like uh if anything coming away from this episode i i highly recommend the edge i feel like it's probably it's highly underrated it's a really really solid thriller you should absolutely watch it um cocaine bear which we talked about at the top it's out in theaters i i don't think i'd recommend it but if you're you know but i will always advocate for the theatrical experience and so i'm saying if you're if you're going to say if you're going to see it and you have the time go watch it in a theater because you're probably going to enjoy it possibly enjoy it the best agreed um i don't you're gonna see it see with the crowd you're not gonna get much of it at home i think like renting it for 1999 in a couple weeks i just i don't i don't don't see that i i probably would have like hated it if i watched it at home by myself oh i see the overall rating for the movie dropping drastically once they start doing vod for it once once people start watching at home be like yeah this movie kind of stinks um but yeah i think if you have a right crowd it's probably you know like i said i i gave it probably more of a pass than i would have because the crowd was into it so right uh if you're gonna do it do it that way uh grizzly i don't recommend uh, at all as as i mentioned and uh claws is it's a very special movie in every it's sense for a of a core that group word. of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like if you made it this far, you're like, you, you know who you are who sure. will be into Claws, and you know who you are who'll be like, I'm never watching that. And you know what? That's okay, too. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I did have a good time with that movie. But uh, what about you? Any other any other final thoughts? Uh, no, I, I'm glad that you enjoyed the episode. I'm uh, I, I, Like I said, to put this on, like, probably over a year ago is when this went on our list so uh finally getting around to it i'm glad that we had a fun time talking about it i i don't want to i've already talked far too much in this episode so i don't want to talk too much longer it is your episode next week so i do want to hear about what your picks are next week we're gonna move a bit drastically uh in a different direction we're gonna be talking about um niche genre parodies so we're gonna be talking about movies that spoof like a very specific subgenre of, of film. Um, okay. So, <laughs> so it's like a sub sub pick. All right. Kind of, kind of a sub sub pick, um, <laughs> especially because two of the movies are very, very small movies. So okay. um, I look forward to look forward to discussing that. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I know you've seen one of the movies. Um, I've, I've seen two of the movies. But oh, you it's have been a long time since I've seen one of one of them. Ah, okay. Well, this will be it'll be interesting. Um, and one of them again, we we don't give the picks away in advance, but I will say one of them I'm I am deeply, deeply, deeply sorry for uh, in advance. So uh, <laughs> for both you, Chris, and our listeners. Oh but, no. <laughs> but um, in the meantime, you can. Uh, oh my God, this Google I'm Google page is not going. <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on uh, 
pretty much any podcaster of choice apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher iHeartRadio, anchor.fm google podcasts you could follow us on instagram and hive at the good bad what and you can email us at the good the bad the what at gmail.com our logo comes from michelle parkos and our theme music comes from paco whose portfolio and soundcloud you can find the show notes respectively chris where can more people find you online yeah you can find me online on letterbox at c underscore t-h-o-m you can follow me on letterbox at ryan underscore oliver thank you for listening we'll be back next week with niche genre parodies outsmarted by a grizzly i doubt that <laughs> <laughs>